Hello, interwebs! Uh, you're very welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast. Today I am joined by the wonderful, the inimitable, the queen of women, Miss Deirdre <laughs> Quinn. How are you today, Deirdre? I am very well, king of all men, Podcasting. I'm very well. How are you? I'm, I'm well enough, you know. I, I came in this morning and I had a nice song, a nice tune playing in my ears. I was very happy coming into work. It was like that scene in Father Ted where they discovered the song Shaft. <laughs> it was, I was instantly lifted out of any uh, down feelings I was feeling. It was great. And what song? What song was it? Was it Enya? Was it... Was it... No, uh, let's, let's not go into the details of my, uh, my uh, guilty pleasures. Uh, oh, it's okay. We'll leave that all of as a mystery for our listeners. Yes, yes, so. we will. Uh, today we have a uh, cracker of a story from Marco Giron. Uh, it's called uh, it's called the, the Three Geese, and it's well, it has everything in it. It has an, an Irish funeral, uh, which is always good fun. It has a lover's uh, tiff. It has a lover's tiff. It has a, a married couple, and it has geese. Of course, geese. Um, I like geese. My my granddad kept geese. So my mother's aunt, she had, she had a huge collection of animals, uh, goats, and when I was a very small child, she made me sit at the table and drink unpasteurized goat's milk. What? Uh, so that was, she, that'll put hair on your chest, she used to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, and did it work? Um, well, the, mag- I, the magic of Kerry. I'm, I'm no, I'm no more <laughs> hairy than the average Kerry man, to be honest with you. And we're not. Yeah. It's not a very pursuit county. <laughs> um, oh, well, geese, 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 geese always makes me think of the barnacle geese story of uh, of, of, of yeah. people believing that the uh, the eggs of, of uh, geese were actually the barnacles attached to the rocks. And that, uh, you know, when the geese uh, migrated, they were actually going under the sea. Oh. And that was what the naturalists believed for a very long time. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, I was reading this thing of um, if you had oral thrush, it was recommended to have <laughs> a beak of one of the geese, uh, of a goose that would be in the... But the goose had to fast, and then you'd have to have the beak of the animal inside the mouth that had the oral thrush. So to treat your oral thrush, you would have to first starve a goose. Yes, and then the beak of that goose would have to go into your mouth. Okay, well that would be terrible because then the rest of the goose would not be good for eating. Goose was very common for Christmas dinner in Ireland. These days we could have turkey whenever we wanted, but it used to be a very expensive bird. And even at Christmas, not everybody could afford a turkey. So goose, goose, or goose fat as well. It's such goose. a, it's such a addition to any sort of meal if you just want to, if you will, yeah. bouge it up a bit. Yeah, goose, yeah. goose fat potatoes became more and more popular. It just seemed back in the Celtic tiger days. Every Christmas, you had to drown your potatoes in <laughs> goose fat, but now they're everywhere. They're really, really everywhere. Really um, so uh, I, I think well. Without any further ado, uh, let's uh, let's give this a go. Long ago in Ireland, there lived a tailor. 
and that tailor was married to a, a wonderful woman called Biddy. Now one day, Biddy came running into the house, calling for her husband, making an awful racket. And she said, my husband, my husband, come quick. You won't believe it, but there's a huge crowd of geese in the garden and they're eating up the seeds as, as quickly as I can throw them to the ground. Well, the tailor looked out into the garden and he saw two geese. With that, he jeered his wife, he says. A whole crowd of geese. Sure, there's only two of them. They could barely eat all those seeds between the two of them. And with this, he mortally offended Biddy. As sure as I am standing in front of you, my husband, there are 100 geese out in that garden. The tailor laughed at his wife again. 100, he says. I can see them now. A hain, a doe. There are two geese in that garden, and there are no more, and there are no less. Okay, says Biddy, relenting slightly. Maybe it is not 100, but there's at least 50. You'll have to agree to that. The tailor stood up and put his arm around his wife, and he walked her over to the window. There's two geese standing in that garden. That's it. Just the two. Fine, says Biddy. Fine, I'll admit that I may have been exaggerating slightly, but there's no less than 20, and you must see. Well, the tailor sighed, and he gave up arguing with Biddy. There was no point. Instead, he just went out into the garden and casually shooed away the two geese. He came back inside, hoping just to return to his work. But on his way, he couldn't resist calling to Biddy. By the way, Biddy, he says, I just got rid of those geese in the garden. You know, those two geese. He couldn't have just left it alone. With that, the tailor sat down to his work, only to find Biddy was now standing over him. Three, says Biddy, looking intently at her husband. The look she gave him would put fear into any normal man. Just admit that there are three geese in the garden. At this point, the tailor's losing his patience. He goes, but there weren't three, says there was two, and I shooed him away myself. Well, the two of them argued for days on end until finally Biddy said, If you won't just admit that there were three geese in that garden, I will surely die. She was a great woman for the dramatics. The tailor told his wife to stop talking nonsense, but Biddy was adamant that this was true. In fact, to show how serious she was, Biddy called up the parish priest. She called to the undertaker and she called up their friends and their families and told them that she was dying. The priest came to the house and performed the last rites. The undertaker came, he'd measured it for the coffin and sure enough he had it there ready with him. And then all their friends and family gathered in the front garden for Biddy's funeral. As Biddy climbed into her own coffin in front of everyone, the tailor pleaded with her not to do this. But Biddy replied that all he had to do was admit that there were three geese in the garden. The tailor threw his hands in the air. But there wasn't! There were two geese. I saw them with my own eyes. And with that, Biddy told the priest to begin the ceremony. Finally, it was time for the undertaker to nail the lid onto the coffin. And as the nails were hammered in, Biddy finally started to panic. She began screaming and banging her fists against the lid of the coffin. And she called out to her husband, I'm sorry, you were right. I was wrong. There were two geese, no more, no less. Now get me out of here. The tailor took to the coffin. Hearing his wife muffled scream from inside, 
He then looked to the priest and looked to the undertaker and he looked at all the friends and family who had gathered there to mourn. The tailor leaned in close to the coffin, heaved a sorrowful sigh and said, I'm sorry, Biddy, but everyone's come here for a funeral and a funeral is what they will get. But with that, the undertaker finished nailing the coffin lid shut. Biddy screamed and pounded against the coffin lid until her knuckles were raw. They lowered the coffin down into the ground and slung the sod over it until Biddy was buried alive. Everyone paid their respects to the tailor. The gravediggers bowed their heads. The priest shook his hand. And as the tailor turned and walked back through the garden to his little house, he noticed something moving at the side. But when he looked down to the side patch of the house, what did he see in front of him? Only three white geese. He smiled to himself as he walked back into his little workshop, closed the door behind him and never looked back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what a story. What did you think of that, Deirdre? I love this story. I think it perfectly complements the great potato story that we heard on a previous podcast. Because it's almost, I like to think this is what Mary, the great compulsive liar sister, would be like. Yeah. Causing such mayhem with the husband. Right. What did you think of the story? I really liked it. Um, Well... The Irish marriage is a weird thing, I always think, mm. uh, because uh, I, we're, we're not very romantic. We're we're a bit emotionally repressed, so it's almost yeah. So it's a little bit like a uh, it's almost like a dance of, of around each other where you're trying to. Uh, so sometimes as well in Ireland, they wouldn't when they fell out of love with each other. They wouldn't have actually realised it because their life didn't change that much, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you know? yeah. they didn't express it in 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 any way. Mm. Um, I th- the, her commitment to the story was amazing. Now I know she gave up in the end, but that kind of uh, commitment to uh, to anything, even if it is a lie, I am very impressed by. I, I just love the fact that she went out of her way to contact the priest and the undertaker and organise the whole thing herself because yeah. she was more willing to talk to others than to like rationally yeah. talk to the husband about it. Yeah. If you yeah. were to plan your own funeral. Oh, God. What would it be like, do you think? Um, I'd kind of make people wear the most ridiculous costumes possible. Yeah, if yeah, that's they, very good. Yeah. If they want to wear black, they have to go full gothic. But nice. if they decide not to wear black, they have to literally go yeah. over the top with yeah. costumes and colours and feathers and glitter yeah. and just turn it into one massive party. Um, but I've always wanted to uh, I, I never really wanted the whole like cremation thing or the coffin thing right. I've heard a few years ago that you could turn your remains and help help it uh, fertilize the roots of a tree oh, so yeah, I, I, yeah. I'd like to be a tree in my ne- in my uh, afterlife yeah. if I could what about you have you given that side much thought no no not really I suppose um, uh, thankfully it still seems far away 
Uh, I think like that now. I'd want uh, I'd want a very large choir, uh, an enormous choir to just really blow the uh, blow the house down boots, really. Um, and I think maybe get everyone to dress like it's the nineteen hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, everyone that's, in costume. That's very modern for you. I yeah, thought you were going to go seventeen fifty. Nineteen hundred. Very modern for one party, Ollie. Ah, yeah. Well, you know, it's my funeral so towards oh, the end <laughs> of my interests. It's that moment where I lose interest in history. Oh, 1900. the 1900s, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that. And what kind of co- would you want to be in a costume yourself? Like, would oh, you want yeah, your last yeah. outfit? What would you want your last uh, outfit to be? I think I'd want a velvet. Uh, Jacket or robe, kind of. Oh, okay. Uh, something nice and, uh, and maybe some black lilies in the lapel. Oh. They're quite nice as well. I think when I get old as well, I'll do that thing where I just grow the hair around the sides of my head really long. <laughs> like, a, like a monk almost, yeah. yeah. So, I'll, so I'll look like a, some kind of Disney villain when they, <laughs> when they bury me. Could never right. look like a Disney villain, sir. Yeah. Well, like as well, uh, I was very interested in the fact that uh, she, they didn't plan much of a wake. They were getting her. She was getting in herself into the ground quick because yeah. she thought that she'd win. Yes. You know, and the, the, a lot of couples go through that, don't they? Where they have. A uh, little bit of one-upmanship. Uh, oh, completely! They turn it into a competition, and then they realize, yeah. oh, this is meant to be rooted in yeah. love, and then they realize we've gone a bit far. Yeah. Like you wonder, did what happened to the tailor after he buried his wife alive? Yeah. You know, did he carry on being a tailor in that town, or did he just decide, you know what, I might as well move on to the next town? One thing as well that's superior about the stories like this uh, to the to the mythology is how thoroughly fleshed out uh, the women are. Mm. Yeah, you know they're not archetypes of, you know they're not like Emer, but they're just uh, their whole business is that they're quite beautiful and quite tragic, mm-hmm. or the same with Etain, or uh, they're not like Maeve, where they're trying to be. Uh, they're trying to have the same power as a man and they suffer for it, mm-hmm. you know. So it's um, so it's always interesting to see a woman that's fun, yeah. you know, in the stories. And that's partly why I love the story of the Great Potato as well as this story, mm-hmm. is that the women in it are, are very, very fun. There's such an essence of th- truth about it as well because you can yeah. see certain traits in those characters that you can easily see in other people that yeah. we've, we've met growing up. Yeah. Or, um, for example, as well, like like in The Great Potato, we all know somebody who loves to be overly dramatic, just yeah. like there is Biddy in, the sto- in this story as well. Um, so it's one of those things that you can kind of see traits of connected to the truth. But what I love about it at the same time is that, like in a local folktale, you can see applied to many different areas of the country mm. um, as well. And what I love about this and the great potato is, although, yes, the great potato is involved in the story, and yes, the wild geese are involved in the story, it's got nothing to do with the title. Yeah, it's got nothing to do <laughs> with geese or potatoes. It's all about the people, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah. So, it's, it's such a, a mix of, I was surprised that there was no fisticuffs at the funeral. Yeah. I'm surprised there was 
no fanfare either. Like it was done in just an afternoon, <laughs> just quickly yeah. done in one afternoon. They had the argument in the morning by the afternoon. <laughs> and I think in a culture where arranged marriages were a lot more common as well, they probably uh, were very sensitive to the uh, the importance of being with the right person. Yeah, uh, you know, the Kieran Lynch. Now, I know in The Great Potato, Kieran doesn't end up with Moira, um, but he is fascinated by her, you know. Mm-hmm. Her lying doesn't put Kieran off like it did the, the other farmers. Kieran mm-hmm. uh, pays more attention to, and the maybe the tailor didn't have a very good work life balance. Maybe all he was doing all day was working, and the wife was feeling a bit. Uh, left out and mm-hmm. so she tried to draw attention to herself uh, so again you you see again the importance of finding the right person of finding the person that gets you yeah, yeah because obviously um, you know maybe the, the woman from the three geese could have done with her own Kieran to go I love your fabulous stories I love your fabulous lies you know um, if you tell me I, if you tell me there's 24 geese outside, I'm going to pretend that there is. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, uh, been near a flock of geese, Deirdre, but it is quite a racket. I I can only imagine. And they're, yeah. they're a busy and a violent lot, uh, geese, when they get together. Mm-hmm. So, like, if she said that there was 100 geese outside, you'd be able to hear it. Yes. You know, it'd be painfully obvious yeah. that there were 100 geese outside. Uh, so, she... Uh, she's in a kind of a fantasy world. She wants him to play along with the fantasy and get involved and be more romantic. I think maybe it was just an elaborate way for her to get him away from the tailoring and into bed. But he wasn't interested in it. You know, she was like, oh, there's a hundred geese outside. And then he'd play along and be like, yeah, there's a hundred geese and I'll be your big strong man and I'll go out and I'll sort it for you. And then when he'd come back in, they'd go to bed. But, uh, so you think that people down the country would seduce their partner by talking about geese? Yeah, by <laughs> by lying to them. <laughs> I think people down the country get other people into bed by lying to them. <laughs> Put that in stone. <laughs> so you can. So you can. Oh, you know, uh, you say I have a big farm of land, and then you go home and you realise it's only fourteen acres. <laughs> But see, the thing is, you can build up the mystery of it. In this story, there was no mystery of it. Because obviously, one, you'd hear the hundred geese. Yeah. Or he'd yeah. hear the noise. Yeah. But uh, I think you're fair right to try yeah. to uh, get him away from the... Get him away of, from work and to get him... Yeah, she a wants of, a bit of his attention. A bit of role play. Yeah, you know. It's, <laughs> a bit of romance. A bit of romance. That's, that's, it, was, it was the 19th century equivalent of role play. Is the man going out <laughs> to sort out the geese for his wife. And it just continues on into, I'm going to bury my partner alive. Yes. Yeah, that's some intense role play there. But obviously, um, I you know, if you've ever seen Keeping Up Appearances. Oh, of course. yes, yeah. the classic, yes. Where you have Daisy in it, and Daisy's yeah. a bit uh, sex-obsessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's constantly reading her Mills and Boons books mm-hmm. with uh, and trying to get Onslow to, to pay attention to her. Mm-hmm. I think it was a little bit like that. And I think that uh, not only 
was he a bit like that? But the whole parish was starting to get annoyed with it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so that when the funeral comes along and that everyone can hear her struggling inside in the box, mm-hmm. the whole parish is like, well, let's, you know, we might be rid of her, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know what? It's not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's that moment in the story that's similar in The Great Potato when everybody's listening to Mary's story when she's standing next to the, to the hangman yeah. of they're all so captivated of this long-winded story and then all of a sudden they realize hang on a moment here comes the twist yeah. they're like it's the moment it's the moment where it's going to be fine yeah well Ma- myra realized in the story of the great potato that some people would rather be right yeah. and i think that if the tailor had been in the story of the great potato he would have been like the sailor in that story. He oh, would, definitely. He would have been going, no, you're lying. Yeah. Um, and then he would have ended up dead. So they are actually two, uh, they're, the two stories are very similar, but at the same time, they're reverse mm-hmm. of each other. The liar is successful in one, and the liar is uh, not successful in Has the to other. Get some dirt. Yes, <laughs> yeah. But uh, the the village uh, being complicit, like the grave diggers, the priests, the mm-hmm. mourners being complicit in their own. It reminded me of Have you ever seen Murder on the Orient Express? <gasps> oh. Yes. No, it's an old film. So I, it's a goodie. It got a revamp a few years it ago. Did. It did. It's yeah. had several revamps over the years because everyone loves Poirot. Um, I like the uh, David Suchet one, although the um, Peter Ustinov one is good as well. But the David, it reminds me of it, you know, I'm not spoiling it because everyone knows how it ends. But it reminded me of that moment where you realise that actually everyone on the train killed you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the whole village was complicit in killing her. And mm-hmm. if Poirot had rocked up to the village to solve who had uh, killed the um, the the strange uh, sex mad lying woman, um, <laughs> then he would have discovered that the whole village was quite happy she was dead. Yeah, he could just keep on traveling through the town. He doesn't need to turn his head in any way. He just and the priest as well. The priest is complicit. Well, let's yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a man of the cloth is complicit to uh, yeah. a group murder. Oh gosh, yeah. 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 Oh, I, I didn't even think of that either. Yeah, could oh, you? Wow. I've gone through a whole mass where she's like, you <laughs> lie. Like, what do you say in the homily? What do you say in the sermon? When it well, looks, uh, yeah. She yeah. lived as she died, screaming like a set of a hundred geese. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, maybe she was. She would cackle on it. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. It is, it is. We are after hearing a story of a group murder. We are. Yeah. yeah. It's a, a, the scary thing about it is it's as, as if she put the hit out on herself. Yeah. Because she was the one who went around to speak with everyone. Yeah. yeah. So. But again, it's her. She's like, maybe yeah. she's looking for that little bit of romance to go, oh, you're not dead. I'm going to restore you to life. And then we're going to have, have a nice romantic time and I'll forget about work for a while. <laughs> you know, so it's... She just wanted a weekend away. Yeah. She, she was tired. To... She was tired of reading Mills and Bins and she just wanted a weekend away with the husband. Yeah, like we, we a lot of us... Uh, during the the pandemic, had to uh, be in the house with our collective uh, spouses the mm-hmm. whole time. But like 
tailor in the uh, in the nineteenth century in Ireland is to a certain extent a cottage industry. Oh, you yes. know, so he's doing all the work in the living room mm-hmm. while she's doing her day's work as well around the house, and you know, spending they're spending all day together. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised that she that she'd go. I'm sick and tired of you just with your needles and pins over there in the corner and your scissors chopping away. We're going to do what I want to do now. I just imagine her kicking the geese to make it sound like it's a bigger group of geese. <laughs> you know? It's like, will he hear you now? Will he stick his head up from from the chalking uh, set of trousers? I don't know. They're a violent lot. Like, if you were to kick a goose, you they they snap at I, you. But this, this biddy's determined, like, so <laughs> I'm sure she had no fear put her into her. No, no. The only thing that she feared was... Basically, her her uh, being accountable for what happened, yeah. you know. Uh, but how sad it must have made her to realize as the you know the dirt was falling on the coffin to realize that uh, her husband would rather just watch her die than engage in any kind of uh, attention seeking moment for or her. Yeah, emotion yeah. other than yeah. just bitterness. Yeah, the 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 begrudgery in Ireland, you know. Uh, your man from Game of Thrones is on Tommy Tiernan one night and he was talking about how he liked the Irish begrudgery uh, because, you know, he could walk down the street and people would, you know, just like, oh, you think you're great, yeah. but you're not, so I'm not going to pay you any mind. But there is an awful lot of the kind of begrudgery in Ireland as well where, like, you, you would even begrudge your own wife mm-hmm. a bit of uh, attention and uh, a bit of TLC. Oh, definitely. Like, people get so caught up with the romance and the love affair and the romanticism of Ireland. But really, what lasts longer is that begrudgery. (laughs) Begrudgery lasts longer than than love. (laughs) Is there there any other marriage that we'd compare it to? Oh. Um, In Ireland, I'm going through the various marriages in Ireland. They're all kind of dysfunctional. Um, well, the most interesting ones to talk about are the dysfunctional ones. Yeah. Um, like uh, Grania as well as in general, Grania is a bit. Uh, you don't have to be a bit smart about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's different. It depends on your perspective of if you think Grania is in the right or not. When in terms of that, yeah. What I mean by that is, um, she was a young teenage girl, maybe even early twenties at best who was looking at a very old film McCool and realised, is this the life that I want for myself? Well, in that case, she was very right. It was yeah. how she went about it. I would disagree with a bit. Yeah. Uh, but I do love the scene where she's, you know, where the water splashes on her thigh and she oh, goes, that yes. water has been higher up my leg than you have. Yes. You know, uh, it's so, a brilliant moment. It's yeah. a brilliant, brilliant moment. It just gives you... An, yeah, a glimpse into Irish relationships and they haven't really changed that much in the oh, 1500 years or so since never. that story never. was popularised yeah uh, I, I feel like that that, that strong willed feeling and uh, that sense of conflict really stirs um, love and romance by a different name Yeah. so it's uh, yeah. basically if you're in a relationship that fights an awful lot, you know it's going to last. Yeah. But just maybe don't organise a hit out on yourself just in <laughs> case your partner tries to bury yeah. you alive with the rest of the team. Just to you teach your in. partner a lesson, yeah. Exactly. And uh, geese. Geese, uh, they're in terms of folk tales and 
in terms of uh, children's stories. Geese are actually quite common mm. if you think about it growing up, uh, like the goose, the glade, the golden egg, mm. uh, and the uh, is it Jer- Jemima Puddle Duck? Was she a goose? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh I From, forgot about uh, her. Um, but you were looking at the book uh, Ireland's Birds. Oh, yes. Uh, by by uh, Niall McQuitter. Yeah, this Niall McQuitter is one of my favourite writers because he does a book on Irish trees, on animals in Ireland, and also birds in Ireland as well. You discovered that this was actually a very appropriate time of year for this story to go out. Oh, yeah, because they believed in County Cork that the last week of September or and the first week of October was called Fornagana, which is the autumn of the geese. And it was said that this was when the seeds came on the long grass that grows in ditches and over fences, which geese were very fond of eating. So probably goose grass um, would be sometimes the nickname for it as well. Yeah. But there was also um, other things about geese is that they were very good at telling the weather. And then some people would give the geese a nickname of baddie. Which I thought was really funny because of right. Biddy in the story. Oh, Biddy and Baddy, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in it as well. But there's um, there's so many references not just to geese in Ireland but across Britain as well, yeah. because they've got the Michaelmas um, time of the year as well, and geese yeah. are popular for them. So there's there's act there is so much about it as well. There's a lot of yeah. geese in our stories. There's a goose in, in my Darkland story uh, that I. Uh, Received through Eddie Lenihan's book, meeting the other crowd, mm-hmm. uh, but that is uh, obviously that is a, a goose that becomes. Well, we won't spoil it for people. Buy a darkland. I normally pay for this stuff. <laughs> 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 no. Uh, no, Paddy wants to share good stories with you, so he wants yeah, to make sure yeah. you get the full effect of the story. Well, the uh, obviously uh, when the goose is shot above Corbally Fort and falls into Corbally Fort, mm-hmm. they, they realise that the goose is actually uh, a fairy man who uh, had transformed themselves into a goose in order to, to fly across the winter sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a beautiful image, though. When it comes to the imagery of birds, it's... Yeah. Uh, a snow-white goose across the, crossing a grey sky. It is beautiful, yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. beautiful imagery. Because the, the two farmers are out hunting uh, just before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, really beautiful story. Yeah, and really well told as well. Cause oh, I love, thank you. I love your version of it, and I've heard other storytellers tell yeah. their own take on it. Yeah. But it's um, I can hear your excitement through the walls when you get to share that story, <laughs> and it always makes it super special. Great. Um, Great. Yeah. So there's been a there's been a good couple of stories that we've we've gotten to sort of reference throughout yeah. this as well. Yeah. Um, are there any stories left do you think in the mix that you'd want to you've always wanted to work um, there's uh, not stories that I tell myself there's King O'Toole and the Goose of course mm-hmm. is, a, is another uh, famous uh, story mm-hmm. I think part of the reason that uh, we mentioned it briefly there the, the geese crop up in so much in uh, Irish folklore is how quiet they are how clean the same thing with the swans that even though geese live obviously on a very dirty farm in huge flocks sometimes if you're raising geese yourself they are snowy they're clean and bright and everything and so that took people out a, a little bit out of themselves into a kind of fantasy world oh yeah yeah definitely yeah. 
Uh, but I really enjoyed uh, that story there from uh, Mark O'Giron, um, our 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 uh, fearless leader, uh, uh, our maker of sticks, uh, our yes. wielder of sticks, uh, and I, I think you did too. Uh, say goodbye to all the people at home, Dee. It's been lovely spending time with you, and I hope we get to get to spend time again soon. Yeah. Uh, lovely to hear from you. Uh, look out for uh, our talking series on YouTube. Look out for uh, our podcast, of course, coming out on the regular. Uh, look out for the previous uh, podcast featuring yours truly telling the story, The Great Potato. Uh, do reach out to us on our various social media sites. Uh, give us a call. Uh, stick a, a note under a rock and brayhead, uh, you know. The usual. Uh, it was a real pleasure speaking to you once again. Uh, if you can't be good, be careful. Bye.